Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. This is Reverend Rosemary with you this evening, thanking God for this wonderful opportunity that we have to share the word of God and to partake of the word that he has um, prepared for us today. So we are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, we reverence your word. We come with hearts that are prepared to receive from you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to illuminate us and reveal how the word that you have for us today should be applied to our life. Lord, we are open to receive, and by your grace, we thank you that we will come up higher in you and we will move forward. And we will be careful, O Lord, to give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor for what you have done and continue to do to glorify your name in us and through us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, tonight we have um, a study which I have entitled, Keep the Right Perspective. Amen. God wants us to keep the right perspective. And so tonight we're going to be looking at what is that right perspective and how do we maintain it. Amen. Well, the word of God says that um, as believers, that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We actually find that uh, cited in Romans chapter 8 and verse 38. Uh, So we are, as believers, more than conquerors. But there are times uh, in our life, I'm sure that all of us would agree, when that victorious description just does not seem to apply to us. And um, what the enemy does, actually he attempts to frighten us, to hold us in bondage, to fear, so that we would focus on the challenges, on the mountains, on the giants that we are facing. And then he would want us to judge them to be too big to defeat. And this is, he knows that if we do that, what's going to happen is that if we think on the negative things, sooner or later, we are going to become negative. If we focus our attention on uh, things that are depressing, we are going to become depressed. Uh, it's actually a principle that we find in scripture that what we behold we become. So this this is just the way it is. And the enemy knows that well. So we have to make a deliberate decision not to allow the negative things to mold our thinking or determine our destiny. We have to constantly remind ourselves that even though we are in the world, The word of God says that we are not of the world. Amen. And so, you know, Jesus in um, 
in teaching his disciples, he says that Satan uh, has come. He's a thief and he has come to steal, to kill and to destroy. But we thank God that he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. This uh, speaks of the quantity, this abundance that Jesus is speaking about. It speaks of, number one, the quantity of blessings that we will partake of. That is life to the full, life that overflows. Hallelujah. But the, it, within that word, life more abundantly, he also means uh, about, he's speaking also about the quality of life that he is offering us. You see, the Greek word translated life in this verse means the type and quality of life of God. In other words, the very life of God, which we call eternal life. And so Jesus came so that we could overcome all the works of the enemy and enjoy life as God intends for us to enjoy it. According to, um, I believe it's 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, we are told that uh, Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one. Amen. So in this in destroying the work of the evil one, we have victory, amen? And that's how that we become more than conquerors, praise God. So we are more than conquerors because we don't have to fight the battle. He fights the battle or he has fought the battle for us, amen? And so now we can de- proclaim that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. What did Jesus do? He overcame Satan and Satan's kingdom. And the things that are part of that kingdom are, for example, sin, uh, death, and hell. They are all part of Satan's kingdom. So Jesus overcame all of that for us. Amen. So that we can live victoriously in him. This means that the devil has been defeated and truly legally he has no right to interfere in our life but you see we have to remember that he's a thief so no thief ever respects the law it's all about breaking the law and hoping that the person that he's stealing from does not know the law and cannot enforce the laws against him so if As believers, we know how to resist the enemy, resist all his his attempts against us, such as to steal, to kill, and to destroy, then they all will fail. And what is important for us to know and to remember at all times is that God has enabled us to overcome every challenge, every adversity and to become fruitful. So we can be secure and enter into rest, knowing that all things will be well with us. 
providing that we follow the process set out in the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So uh, let's um, bring this a little closer to home. I would venture to say that um, we all face a struggle to control our own thoughts and to think right. Um, it's an inherent part of our Christian life. The question is, um, what do we see? Is what we are seeing in line with God's word or is it a result of the world system? The word of God instructs us to consider Jesus, not to consider anything else, but to consider Jesus. Why? Because, again, the principle that I just mentioned um, a short time ago is that what we spend time considering will dominate us. The end result being our living experience. In other words, we end up experiencing what we are considering, which is exactly what what, um, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7 teaches. It teaches that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Amen. So we end up experiencing what we have focused on. Amen. It becomes our living experience, our living reality. So our perspective, um, in other words, our vision, our view of things in life and our belief of, about who we are, why we are here on earth and how we respond to God's will for us. These are the things that are going to determine our destiny. Amen. And Satan has understood that truth from the very beginning. And therefore he has done and continues to do everything in his power to try to prevent uh, men from taking hold of God's thoughts and establishing them in their lives. So he comes in insidious ways to orchestrate situations in our lives for the purpose of causing fear and unbelief in what God has said. For instance, um, you know, we are many times living, uh, being conquered by, you know, everything from sickness to um, overeating uh, or, uh, you know, to taking part, let's say, in a inappropriate conversations, or even at times watching improper uh, entertainment or movies. And it's not that we never put up a fight against those things. Most of us, I do believe, if we are serious uh, in walking with the Lord, we have tried, but many times we have failed. But What the Lord wants us to remember is what his word tells us. And his word tells us that we can live as more than conquerors. 
We do not have to settle for mediocrity. We do not have to settle for the lies of the enemy. Amen. We can fight the good fight of faith like a winner so that when the fight is done, the devil would be the one defeated. You see, God's word is truth. And the word of God works when it is applied as directed by the word itself and, of course, by the Holy Spirit. And therefore, no matter how many areas we may have failed in in the past, no matter how many times um, those failures have been repeated, if we will apply the truth from the word of God, we can turn those failures around. And therefore, the challenges in themselves that the enemy brings against us, no matter how severe, they cannot defeat um, and destroy, bring destruction in our lives. But you see how we react to them will be the deciding factor. So to begin to live like uh, the victorious uh, and the mighty conqueror that we have been born again to be, we must learn to get hold of God's thoughts. Amen. The way we do that, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. God's truth will make us free. And his word is truth. And we have to admit that all of us need to change. Um, not a little, not a little bit, but a lot. Why? Because none of us has yet attained Christ-like perfection. So notice in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 here, what the word of God tells us about what is the main thing that is going, that, that, uh, that is going to change us. It says that we are to renew our mind. Amen. Um, the renewing of our mind does not speak of prayer or it does not speak of having hands laid on. Amen. Yes, we have to pray. Yes, there are times when, you know, we might need, uh, you know, a, a pastor, somebody, you know, over us spiritually, you know, lay hands on us. That's all part of scripture. However, this is not what the Bible tells us concern that concerning the renewal of our mind. Amen. We are transformed by spending time in the word and allowing the word to change us. After what happened is that after we got born again, we were changed in our spirit. But the rest of 
the package remained the same. In other words, we have the same body, we have the same memories, we have the same emotions. So our soul is the area there that this verse is addressing. And God wants us as born again Christians to take charge of our mind and control our body. How can we do that? Well, the difference is that before we could not do it because we were under the dictates of Satan, who was our master prior to becoming born again. But now that we are born again, we are now alive spiritually in Christ. Hallelujah. The greater one is living inside of us. And we now have the power to control our mind. We have the power to control our mouth, our desires, our feelings. And as a child of God, we have the power to decide. Before that, we could not because the enemy lorded it over us and we were dead to the things of God. Now we are alive to God because his spirit lives in us. So we are no longer victims. We are victors. And whether we like it or not, you know, that's really up to us. But the fact remains that, you know, there are no defeated ones that are born into the kingdom of God. We all are destined for greatness. And we are born into God's kingdom in, in his own likeness and his image. Hallelujah. And our master is not a defeated one. He is the victor. Amen. And this, he is in us. Christ is in us and we are in him. Therefore, his victory is our victory. And the same spirit he walked in when he was on the earth is the same spirit we now have. Exactly the same Holy Spirit. This means that we also can choose to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. For example, when we are facing negative circumstances, we can choose to be joyful. Amen. Because our joy is not dependent upon our natural circumstances. You see, if we will put our mind on what God says and focus our attention on the spiritual realm rather than the physical realm, amen. And God has made it so that the spirit of God in us, hallelujah, working in us as we learn of him in his word, and by revelation of the Holy Spirit, that we are empowered to live that kind of a life. Amen. You see, the word of God is what I would call, um, it is more than positive. It is super positive. Amen. And God's plan is for us to have a good future and an expected end, an end that he already knows of because he is the alpha and the omega. However, by revelation of his spirit, we can tap into the mind of God who reveals to us what where God is taking us. Amen. So God wants us to be expecting what he already knows about us. And so notice how God speaks. 
and how he wants us to follow in his example. The word of God tells us in Joel 3.10, he says, let the weak say, I am strong. Amen. So you see, we are speaking positively in the midst of negative circumstances. Amen. Um, He says, let the poor say, I am rich. Amen. In Job 22, 29, he says, when men are cast down, you must say that there is lifting up. So we are not to keep our eyes on the negative, but always on the positive, which is the truth, which is the word of God. Amen. And let's say, for example, if our health is being attacked, we are to remember that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Amen. First Peter chapter two and verse 24 doesn't say that we are going to be healed. It says you were healed. So we are already healed. It is ours to appropriate. So God is not going to heal us because he has already healed us. It's already all done. Amen. And so that is why God can be so positive because for him, it's a done deal. Amen. And he is calling us to look at everything about our life, amen, from his own perspective, because he knows the end from the beginning. For example, there is this verse in Isaiah chapter 46, um, verses 9 and 10, um, that speak about um, God and his power and his faithfulness. Actually, it is God himself speaking about his power and faithfulness. And this is what he says in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 and 10. He says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Hallelujah. You see, this is, if I can say, a, a revelation of who God is, amen, and what he can do. He is all powerful. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He is a victor and he decrees the things that will be so that we can align ourselves with him and follow him and keep our eyes on him alone, regardless of what is happening around us. There is an antidote in God's word for every negative thing that we will ever hear or experience. Nothing will ever come our way that God's word does not answer. So we must commit ourselves to the word by studying it, by putting it into our hearts, by meditating on it, and by keeping it in our heart. Amen. This is the battle that we were referring to earlier, that every Christian has to 
you know, be engaged in, to study the word, to make sure to put the word in our heart, to meditate upon the word, allow the Holy Spirit to download the word and it's the revelation of the word inside of us. Amen. And know how to keep it because there is a thief who comes and he wants to seal that good thing that is in us. And the actually the only good thing that we have is the presence of God in our lives. Amen. The Holy Spirit living in us and the word of God that we de- deposit in our heart. So God's word will rise up whenever we're confronted with something that Satan throws against us. The word will rise up with an answer when we purpose to allow God to have his way in our lives. You know, no wonder Proverbs chapter four and verse 33 says this. Proverbs 30, sorry, Proverbs chapter four and verse 23. He says, my son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Um, I'm starting from verse 20. Yes, verse 20. My son, attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Verse 22, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. And then in verse 23, he says, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. So we are to keep our heart with all diligence. We put the word in there and keep it. Do not allow the enemy to distract us or, you know, to bring anything against us um, that would remove us from that position of being focused on the word. Hallelujah. And so the Bible tells us that out of our heart, what we deposit in there will flow the issues of life. Amen. So it's very important that if we want to reap good things that we keep what is good inside of us and not the weeds or the junk that the enemy is bringing that he wants to, you know, uh, sow in our heart. You see, Jesus paid uh, the ultimate price for all of us and left us an example by which we should follow. And his blood is the guarantee the surety, the Bible calls it the surety or the guarantee of a better covenant so that in him we might live. So Jesus, as a a human being, amen, uh, he was a man, and he had the same feelings that we do. But we are told in the word of God that he never sinned by giving in to them. So did he have emotions? Yes, he had emotions. Was he, was, was he grieved at times, wounded at times? Yes, but he never sinned by giving in to the feelings. Like him, we can say no to temptations. We can say no to our feelings. We can say no to the flesh. If we have a strong knowledge of the of, of God's word, 
Hallelujah. We are, we can be in that place where we say no. So for instance, let's say that um, somebody, you know, hurts us um, and we feel angry and we feel upset. What we have to remember is that the Holy Spirit is there not just to, as a bystander, watching all these things happening to us, but he wants to actively, you know, work in us, operate in us. And therefore, he wants to comfort us and teach us how to function in the fruit of the spirit, that is, in temperance, in forgiveness, and in love, so that no matter what our past experiences are or our present feelings we can be compassionate towards others. Amen. Uh, and you see, one of the things that Jesus has, in, has imparted to us or his, his people, his body, and, his, and the Holy Spirit is imparting to us today. Um, and it, it is one, this one thing that we also need to take hold of and impart unto others. And uh, we are, I'm speaking here about understanding. Amen. So Jesus has imparted it to us. The Holy Spirit is working that in our heart. Amen. He does not want us to be hard. And this applies especially to those who have wronged us. Because um, it's obvious what the enemy is after. He wants us to develop hardness and callousness within us so that we cannot feel or be sensitive to the needs of others. But on the other hand, God wants us to place ourselves ourselves in his hands and let him take care of us while we are practicing being kind, compassionate, and sensitive to other people. So as believers, we are called to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are not led by our feelings. We are moved by them. But the purpose of this motion in us is so that we can show compassion and understanding to those who are in need. And this is truly the right purpose and use of having feelings and emotions. God didn't give us feelings so that we can be angry with one another. No, we understand when something is not right. So yes, we maybe feel feel hurt and wounded, but at the same time, there is a way in which we are to handle our emotions and feelings. You see, there is the world's way and there is God's way. We have a choice. And the question is, are we going to see things from the world's perspective or from God's perspective? Amen. Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, actually starts with the word and, meaning that it is connected with the previous sentence. Amen. Uh, But I'll go ahead and read that verse, and then I will explain. Romans 8.20, says, And we know that all things work together for good 
to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. And it, yes, notice it, that it starts with the word and, because the previous verses are talking about prayer. Amen. When we allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us, amen, as we bring our needs, as we bring our, our petitions, our intercession before the Lord, that God is able, having prayed according to the way of the Spirit, he's able to take the, the things that the enemy has meant for evil and work them out for our good. So basically what God is telling us is that if we do things his way, he can make all things work together for our good. Amen. Although we all have different circumstances to deal with on a regular basis, but the Bible says that, you know, that there is no temptation that we have that is not common to men. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, there is no problem that you and I can have that, you know, that let's say you are the only one experiencing it or has ever experienced it or me on my side, that nothing like this has ever happened. No, the Bible says that there is no temptation that we have that is not common to men. So, but God is able to take that and make a way of escape for us so that we are able to bear it because his grace is there holding us up as we are working it with him. We are allowing him to have his way in us. And, you know, Satan does not have different tricks that he uses on different people. We have to remember that he has a, it's always the same, same old thing, same trick. What he, just, what he does is just puts it in a different package and uses a different wrapper and a bow on it so that we might feel intimidated thinking that, wow, I don't know how to handle this one. No, we are not to think like that. We can because there is nothing that he can bring against us that is greater than what God has deposited inside of us. Hallelujah. So we must be honest with ourselves when it comes to spiritual attacks. You see, the majority of battles that we fight in life, they don't fall into the category of surprise attacks. Most of them. Um, you know, the, our battles are fought because, and like I said, we have to be honest. It's because we were unfaithful to heed to the Holy Spirit's warnings um, to deal with some area of our lives before it got out of control. Um, there are times, for example, that we might be attacked and we consider it a, a, a surprise attack and we wonder, well, where did this come from? Um, but you see, if we are honest with ourselves, we might remember that God maybe may have woken us up to pray, but we were having such a good time on our pillow and wrapped up under our blankets that we didn't feel like getting up to pray. The Holy Spirit might have been alerting us to the fact that 
this, there is an attack coming our way, but we were not spiritually alert enough to respond the way that we were supposed to. So that is why I'm saying that most of the attacks that we have, they don't come suddenly because we have a Holy Spirit who is with us. The Bible says, if God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. God is watching over us. He's here working with us. He's encamped his angels around us to protect us on all of our ways, the Bible tells us. So he, he will warn us when there is danger. The question is, what are we doing with those warnings? Amen. You see, when the Bible says, um, for example, in James chapter 1 and verse 14, that... Um, you know, lust, when it conceives, it brings forth sin. And we often think of sin as, for example, adultery or murder or robbery and so forth. But those things that are sins, um, yes, they are what I just mentioned. However, have we considered that laziness, slothfulness, unbelief is also a sin? You see, real spiritual warfare is a specific condition of the mind that involves a lifelong commitment. We don't get up and just do spiritual warfare right now, and then after that we want to break for the next five years. Spiritual warfare is not so much an action as it is a determined and committed attitude of the mind that we have to always be on the alert. The Bible will say, be sober, be vigilant, because the enemy, as a roaring lion, he is constantly roaming around, going around us, seeking whom he may devour. And we are to resist him steadfast in the faith. So we always have to be on a war on a war mode, if I can call it this way. Amen. So the, the things that, like as I said, that we consider oftentimes as sin, such as uh, robbery, murder, adultery. Yes, indeed they are. But have we considered that unbelief is a sin, that discouragement, when we allow ourselves to be, become discouraged, that it's a sin, or that depression is also a sin, or that unforgiveness is sin. You see, sin means to miss the mark. It's, it is not what God intended for us. And the only way to counteract that sin is by standing on the word of God in faith and to think spiritually. Amen. That is why I said that real spiritual warfare is not a specific condition of the mind. I'm sorry, that it is, it is a specific condition of the mind that involves a lifelong commitment. Amen. It is a determined and committed attitude of our mind. Hallelujah. So, Thinking spiritually is something that we have to commit to. Amen. 
by always choosing to stand on the word of God in faith. Going back to the things that are sin, such as unbelief, fear, unforgiveness, um, discouragement, depression, depression, they are conceived in our mind and then in our emotions. The emotions that we receive makes us, make us feel a certain way. This is what emotions are for, to make us feel a certain way. So if we refuse to give place to these things, such as fear or self-pity or anger and bitterness and hurt, we will not conceive the failure that these things that they, that they breed in our lives if we don't receive them. Amen. So if we give God God's word the first place, and our mind is focused on, on God, on the Lord, no matter what, the power of the word will keep us in perfect peace. Amen. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 says that, that God will keep us in perfect peace as we have our mind fixed on him. Hallelujah. So what we must learn, number one, is how to look at things in light of eternity. Recognizing that these situations are just for a moment. And a second thing that we need to learn is how to keep or to maintain God's perspective once we have it. So in other words, going back to Proverbs 4 and verse 23, guard your heart, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it will flow the issues of life. Amen. Hallelujah. So um, as we've just mentioned, as I've just mentioned, um, emotions are determined by thought because it is our thoughts that make us, that make us feel a certain way. They affect our emotions. So if we will start thinking in line with God's word, he will show us a way to turn any negative thing in our life around so that it works together for our good. Amen. So bottom line, we can say that there is a positive way to think about everything. And regardless of how challenged we are by what may be happening, we have to recognize that this situation is just for a moment. In light of eternity, that situation is just for a moment. You see, the Apostle Paul made the statement. He said that, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. Why does he say this? Because he had a perspective of eternity. His whole life was based on, founded on that perspective. 
And it's crucial for us that we keep that same perspective, regardless of the issue, whether it be sickness, whether it be challenges in our marriage, or problem with children, or financial pressure, or problems on the job. You see, what the Lord has given us through Jesus is greater than any problem we can ever experience here in this life. Amen. If we will take our attention off of our physical problems and begin to look at what God has done for us, we will experience joy and peace regardless of our physical circumstances. So as Christians, really, we have no excuse for being defeated. Yes, we can find many reasons why negative things happen to us, but there are no excuses for allowing those things to overcome us emotionally. Amen. We have to remember that God's provision is always greater than our need. Amen. The Apostle Paul made that statement in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 when he says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I submit to you that God's riches in glory are far greater than any need we could ever experience on this earth. Amen. In um, 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 4 and verse 16, the Apostle Paul is giving us some background about himself. And he is admitting that there are some serious things happening to him in the physical realm. And this is what he says. He says, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward men perish, yet the inward men is renewed day by day. Amen. What is the Apostle Paul speaking about here? You see, one of the things that he says is that his outward man is perishing. In other words, his body is getting older every day. But Paul is also talking about more than just his physical body. He is also speaking of the spiritual realm in which the inward man is being constantly made new. And this is where his focus is on the spiritual realm, because it is that realm which is renewing him inwardly. Hallelujah. So Paul is saying, um, in other words, he's saying, yes, there is a physical world out there. And he's saying, I'm not denying that problems exist, but I am not being controlled by the physical realm. And that is not what is dominating me. There is a spiritual me on the inside. And that spiritual me is the real me. And that, that's the part of me that contains the power of God. That's the part of me that is really alive. That's the part of me that I'm focusing on because it is eternal. Hallelujah. It is not perishing, but 
Rather, I am being renewed day by day inwardly. So if we are to overcome the emotions that assail us day after day, we must keep that distinction clearly in mind that there is an inward man and that there is an outer man. Hallelujah. And the inward man is the real me or the real you. Hallelujah. And it is it is being renewed by the word of God, by the spirit of God every day as we allow the spirit of God to operate in us. But going back to that same chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are looking in verse 17. Um, this is the next verse, verse 17. And Paul is speaking here about his light afflictions. Amen. Uh, let me go ahead and read there. First, Second Corinthians 4, verse 17. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen. So notice that Paul didn't say this because he didn't have any problem. He had plenty. Amen. Um, however, he calls them his light afflictions. If we were to turn to Second um, Corinthians chapter 11, I'm actually going to read from the NIV version in Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse, the second part of verse 23, all the way to 30, uh, 27. And we will see what Paul defined or that he called his light afflictions. So 2 Corinthians 11, I'm starting to read from verse 23, the second part of verse 23. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. Verse 27, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Amen. Hallelujah. So this Paul is giving us uh, somewhat of a picture of the things that he has gone through. He has worked harder than anyone else, he says. He says he's been beaten with stripes so many times he can't even count them. He's been brought to the brink of death. If, as, for example, in Acts chapter 16, where he was stoned and left for dead. And on Different occasions, he has re he received 39 stripes. 
And then Paul, he says, though I have suffered all these things, but yet I consider but light affliction. Wow. This is really awesome. I mean, how could he say that? So it, we, we all agree that it was not because he had fewer problems and hardships than we do. Because he had many, many more. But yet he considered these to be light afflictions because of his perception of those problems and his perception about hardship. Amen. So Paul was so excited about the revelation of the Lord that he had on the inside of him, that all the things he suffered on the outside seemed like nothing in comparison. It's not that he ignored the fact that he had problem in his life, but he just did not focus on them. In fact, his light, so-called light afflictions were not just a moment in his physical life because actually Paul endured persecution all his life until the moment of his death. So what kept him was his attitude and the way he thought that he was able to keep things in perspective. He was able to look at his life in light of eternity. And in that light, his afflictions were just for a moment. Amen. If we would learn to think that way, it would take a lot of the pressure and frustration and anxiety out of our problems. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, as long as a believer seeks to do God's will and to obey his word, the devil is going to try to thwart the plan of God, you know, the plan that God desires to accomplish through that person. However, surprise attacks from the demonic realm will not succeed if this believer has the shield of faith in place to protect him and to cause those attacks to bounce back from where they originated from. Amen. Uh, Evil spirits cannot destroy a person unless there is already an area of sin in this person's life that they can grab hold of and twist to that person's destruction. Looking at Paul's life, there were no such vulnerable areas in Paul's life. Nothing that the devil could use, you know, he, he could, there was nothing that he could use to destroy Paul. So in looking at what made the difference in Paul's life was his personal consecration to the Lord. And that became his great, greatest defense against the enemy. So yes, Paul was outwardly buffeted, but he was never attacked to the point of personal failure. Amen. Hallelujah. 
And so, you know, in looking at um, life, we are told in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18, that we are to look at the things which not, sorry, that we are not to look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. And what the Apostle Paul is teaching us is that he himself is not dominated by what he sees in the physical realm because he's looking at spiritual and eternal truth. And that's what we need to learn to do because there are always two sides to every issue in life. Whatever our problems, there is a physical side to them and there is a spiritual side to them. And how we deal with our problems depend upon which side we focus our attention. So if we focus, if we you know, choose to look at things in the physical realm, we will become frustrated, depressed, and even become defeated. So Paul used his authority to live what we call the crucified life. In other words, he became dead to sin. And he tells us, if we are in Christ, we are dead to sin. So it's not a special gift that was given to him and him alone. No, we are all, if in Christ, we are dead to sin. So nothing in Paul cooperated with the devil's devices and temptation in order to, you know, to, to paralyze the devil's ability uh, to make him fail morally. Nothing cooperated with Satan. Amen. Jesus said the same thing, actually, when they were coming to arrest him. He said, the prince of this world cometh, but there is nothing of him in me. I think we all can end up saying, making that same declaration, if we choose to look at our life our, the challenges that we have in this life in fulfilling the, the calling that God has for each and every one of us, that we can stand and say exactly the same thing as we keep our eyes steadfast on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He has started something and he's going to finish it. Amen. So looking at Paul's life, we can conclude two things. Number one, that it's a very... Uh, difficult, if not entirely impossible uh, thing for the devil to completely, and I use the word completely, destroy a person who lives a sanctified and consecrated life. Yes, he can bring some amount, some level of problem and destruction, but God will restore. Hallelujah. Praise God. And the second thing that uh, we have to we we can say is that one of the most vital areas of our lives as believers is our power and authority to successfully stand against Satan. We have been given the power. We have been given authority. Hallelujah! In the name of Jesus, to stand against Satan, we are told not to give place to the devil 
in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 27. Um, the same book, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, tells us to put on the whole armor to stand against the wiles of the devil. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we, if we are told to not to give place to the devil and to put on the whole armor of God, it means that we have the power to do so. We have been given power and authority to successfully stand against Satan. Moreover, um, in the book of James, chapter 4 and verse 7, we are said, we are told that uh, we are to resist the devil. Amen. And when we do, it says he will flee from us. Amen. Notice that we resist, he flees. So the armor and the weapons that are at our disposal, God has given us these weapons and God is with us to back his word. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, there is no temptation that has come upon us, taken us, but that which is common to men. But God is faithful because he's not going to allow us to be tempted beyond what we're capable of bearing. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape. Amen. So what remains is for us to take our position of authority and um, assume the responsibility to use what God has provided. Bottom line, we have the power and authority to take the word of God, the, to take the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and run Satan out of our affairs. Amen. Jesus is seated far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And as part of his body, the Bible tells us that we are seated with him in heavenly places, in a high place of authority. So that means that we are equipped with the same power and the same authority as he has. Amen. And as, as, as we close this study, let us agree to live by this word from the Lord to us. What is it that we must do when we are challenged? Instead of focusing on the problems, we must choose not to be dominated by them. We are not ignoring them. No, we are prayer warriors. We know how to take our petitions and our requests to God. So we're praying. But, and we don't deny the fact that they exist. But what we do is to refuse to focus on them and be dominated by them. We are determined to rejoice in the God of our salvation. And truly, we shouldn't care what the devil throws at us because he cannot come against us with anything that is greater than what God has already given us. Even if God didn't do anything else for us for the rest of our life, we could still rejoice in what he has done for us and what he has given us. We are going to heaven. Heaven is our home. Hallelujah. 
We are waiting for the blessed hope. Praise God. So let's refuse to look at the things that are seen and choose to look at the things which are not seen because the things that are seen are temporal. And the things that are not seen, meaning the spiritual things, are those things that will manifest and will last in our life. Hallelujah. So we believe in the word, we receive the word, and we rejoice in the word. Why? Because the word is true. The word is Jesus. Hallelujah. And he has come to give us life and life in abundance in spite of the fact that there is a thief who comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he comes to give us life and life in abundance. Let's receive it. Let's rejoice in it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank God. We thank God for this word tonight that he has for us. Amen. We are going to close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus for your word to us tonight that comes to not only teach us, O oh Lord, but to encourage us to keep the right perspective, to walk as overcomers and to work, allow the Holy Spirit to work in us so that we may be transformed transform more and more in the image of our Lord. Lord, we thank you that as we yield ourselves to you wholeheartedly and completely, that we will be more and more sensitized to your will, sensitized to your way, sensitized to your voice. We will be quick to hear and to follow your prompting rather than follow the pressures and lies of this present evil age. We thank you, Lord, for training us to look at our present circumstances in light of eternity and to rejoice in you at all times. So we will not be dominated by what we see in the physical realm, but we, to look at the spiritual that is the eternal truth, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you for new strength, for new grace, to put you first in all things and for the glory, hallelujah, that you are bringing to us as you take us from glory to glory and you conform us into your very image. We give you all glory. We give you all honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now unto you, O Lord, who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and evermore. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I trust that this study has been a blessing to you. We invite you to join us next week at the same time. God bless you and have a good night.